0: Hello, my little cookie crumb. (laughs) How are you doing? Did you have a good day today? Hopefully you did. It was Wednesday today. It's hump day. So you're halfway there. You only have tomorrow, Thursday, and then Friday. And then the weekend. See? Done and done. (laughs) I hope you're good. Um. (laughs) What is this that Papa told me? What are do you doing? How are you listening to these? During what time? During bath time. Are you taking bath time right now? <laughs> I bet you you are. You're a strange pot of greens. You know that? <laughs> That's a good thing though. And I love you for it. Shall we proceed? <sighs> Hopefully I don't fall asleep on you. I'm tired. It's time to go to sleep. <clears throat> But before I go to sleep, I'm going to read you the other half of the Unforgivable curses. Are you ready, Set Spaghetti? Do you remember me saying that, ready, Set Spaghetti? <laughs> Probably not. You are a, teen. a teeny. You were a teeny-weeny thing when I said that. Okay. Let's see. Where were we? We were... Okay, so, um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione had just gone to Moody's class. They saw the three unforgivable curses, right? There's the first one, which is the, oh, goodness, hold on. I can't think of it now in my head. (laughs) The first one that controls you, Imperio, the Imperius Curse, that, um, Allows you to control what someone else does. You can make them do whatever it is you're wanting them to do. Whatever it is you tell them to do. That was the first curse. The second curse, the cruciatus curse, that's the one that causes pain. When you you curse another witch or wizard. Makes them feel pain then the last curse is the killing curse, which is the curse that Voldemort used to kill Harry's um, parents so <clears throat> while they were in the class and they were watching the curses, Neville had a very adverse reaction to the second curse. Remember he was kind of staring, and uh Hermione had to scream out so that. Professor Moody would stop. So after class, um, everyone was talking about the curses and Harry, Ron, and Hermione noticed, well, Hermione noticed that Neville was kind of hanging back and kind of looked a little upset still. And Moody came over and offered to take Neville to his room. And then later on when they saw Neville, um, they found out that Professor Moody had given him a book about uh water plants because Professor Sprout had told Moody how good Neville was at herbology. And so that was supposed to be something that made Neville feel feel a little bit better. So I'm gonna read that last little tidbit about Uh, Neville, and then we'll go from there, okay? If you're, I don't know if you, well, (laughs) Papa said you listen to these in the bath, so if you're in the bath, you're probably not looking at the book, but if you are looking at the book, I'm in chapter 14, it says The Unforgivable Curses, and in my book it's on page 220, 220. Yeah, 220, and I'm about, um, halfway down. Okay. <clears throat> they went up to the dormitory to fetch their books and charts to find Neville there alone, sitting on his bed, reading. He looked a good deal calmer than at the end of Moody's lesson, though still not entirely normal. His eyes were rather red. Are you all right, Neville? Harry asked him. Oh, yes, said Neville, I'm fine, thanks. Just reading this book, Professor Moody lent me. He held up the book, Magical Water Plants of the Mediterranean. Apparently, Professor Sprout told Professor Moody I'm really good at herbology, Neville said. There was a faint note of pride in his voice that Harry had rarely heard there before. He thought I'd like this. Telling Neville that Professor Sprout... What Professor Sprout had said, Harry thought, had been a very tactful way of cheering Neville up, for Neville very rarely heard that he was good at anything. It was the sort of thing Professor Lupin would have done. Harry and Ron took their copies of Unfogging the Future back down to the common room, found a table, and set to work on their predictions for the coming month. An hour later, They had made very little progress, (laughs) though their table was littered with bits of parchment, bearing sums and symbols, and Harry's brain was as fogged as though it had been filled with the fumes from Professor Trelawney's fire. "'I haven't got a clue what this lot's supposed to mean,' he said, staring down at a a long list of calculations. "'You know—' said Ron, whose hair was on end because of all the times he had run his fingers through it in frustration. (laughs) I think it's back to the old divination standby. What? Make it up? Yeah, said Ron, sweeping the jumble of scrawled notes off the table, dipping his pen into some ink, and starting to write. "Mm, Next Monday, he said as he scribbled, I am likely to develop a cough owing to the unlucky conjunction of Mars and Jupiter. <laughs> he looked up at Harry. You know her. Just put in loads of misery. She'll lap it up. Right, said Harry, crumbling up his first attempt and lobbing it over the heads of a group of chattering first-years into the fire. Okay, on Monday, I will be in danger of, a uh, burn." Yeah, you will be, said Ron darkly. We're seeing the Scroots on Monday. <laughs> Not the Scroots. Okay, Tuesday. I'll um lose a treasured possession, said Harry, who was flicking through unfogging the future for ideas. Good one, said Ron, copying it down. Because of um Mercury. Why don't you get stabbed in the back by someone you thought was a friend? Yeah, cool, <laughs> said Harry, scribbling it down, because um Venus is in the 12th house. And on Wednesday, I think I'll come off worse than a fight. Ah, uh, I was going to have a fight. Okay, I'll lose a bet. Yeah, you'll be betting I'll win my fight. They continued to make up predictions, which grew steadily more tragic for another hour. (laughs) While the common room around them slowly emptied as people went up to bed. That's terrible that this is work, but that homework worked for Trelawney the last time, so I'm sure (laughs) she'll love it this time, too. Crookshanks wandered wandered over to them, leapt lightly into an empty chair. And stared inscrutably at Harry, rather as Hermione might look if she knew that they weren't doing their homework properly. <laughs> Crickshanks is my kind of cat. I want a cat I want a ginger cat with a smushed face. <laughs> Staring around the room, trying to think of a kind of misfortune he hadn't used yet, Harry saw Fred and George sitting together against the opposite wall. Heads together, quills out, poring over a single piece of parchment. It was most unusual to see Fred and George hidden away in a corner and working silently. They usually liked to be in the thick of things and the noisy center of attention. There was something secretive about the way they were working on that piece of parchment, and Harry was reminded of how they had sat together writing something back at the burrow. He had thought that it was another order form for Weasley's, ah, uh, for Weasley's wizard weasels, but it didn't look like that this time. If it had been, they would surely have let Lee Jordan in on the joke. He wondered whether it had anything to do with entering the Wizard Tournament. As Harry watched, George shook his head at Fred, at F- Fred, <laughs> at Fred, scratched out something with his quill and said in a very quiet voice that nevertheless carried across the almost deserted room, No, that sounds like we're accusing him. Got to be careful. Then George looked over and saw Harry watching him. Harry grinned and quickly returned to his predictions. He didn't want George to think he was eavesdropping. Shortly after that, the twins rolled up their parchment, said goodnight, and went off to bed. Fred and George had been gone ten minutes or so when the portrait hole opened and Hermione climbed into the common room, carrying a sheaf of parchment in one hand and a box whose contents rattled as she walked in the other. Crookshanks arched his back, purring. "'Hello,' she said. "'I've just finished.' "'So have I,' said Ron triumphantly, throwing down his quill.' (laughs) Hermione sat down, laid the thing she was carrying in an empty armchair, and pulled Ron's predictions towards her. "'Not going to have a very good month, are you?' she said sardonically as Crookshanks curled up in her lap. "'Ah, well, at least I'm forewarned,' Ron yawned. "'You seem to be drowning twice,' said Hermione. "'Oh, am I?' said Ron, peering down at his predictions." I'd better change one of them to getting trampled by a rampaging hippogriff. Don't you think it's a bit obvious you've made these up? said Hermione. How dare you! said Ron in mock outrage. We've been working like house elves here. Hermione raised her eyebrows. It's just an expression, said Ron hastily. Harry laid down his quill too, having just finished predicting his own death by decapitation. <laughs> by. <laughs> by decapitation, well, that's a gruesome way to die. I'm not going to tell you what that means. Look it up. Look it up, or go. <laughs> look it up in the dictionary, or go ask. Go ask your papa. Go ask your papa or your mama. I won't tell you what that one is. <laughs> what is? <laughs> what's in the box? He said, pointing at it. Funny you should ask, said Hermione with a nasty look at Ron. She took off the lid and showed them the contents. Inside were about 50 badges, all of different colors, but all bearing the same letters, S-P-E-W. Now, okay, so remember how I was telling you, um, because these books were written by uh, a British woman, that some of the words are a little different? I think what their version of badges are kind of looks like our, um, well, you know, yeah, we call them badges too. Uh, I imagine it's like the cloth badges like you get from Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts kind of thing where they're either sewn onto your shirt or the uh, iron-on kind of badges. They're like patches. Um... I don't know. That's a guess. At first, I thought they were buttons, but I don't think they're buttons. I think they would say buttons <laughs> if they were actually buttons. So anyway, if you don't want to, if you want to know what the badges look like, look up um, look up patches or um, Boy Scout badge or Girl Scout badge, and then that'll give you a a better picture of what what I think they look like. Okay, inside were about fifty badges, all of different colors, but all bearing the same letters, S-P-E-W. SPEW? said Harry, picking up a badge and looking at it. What's this about? Not SPEW, said Hermione impatiently. It's S-P-E-W. Stands for the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Never heard of it, said Ron. <laughs> Well, of course you haven't, said Hermione briskly. I've only just started it. Yeah, said Ron in mild surprise. How many members have you got? Well, if you two join... Three, said Hermione. And you think we want to walk around wearing badges saying spew, do you? Said Ron. S P E W said Hermione hotly. I was going to put Stop the Outrageous Abuse of Our Fellow Magical Creatures and Campaign for a Change in Their Legal Status, but it wouldn't fit. So that's the heading of our manifesto. She brandished a sheaf of parchment at them. I've been researching it thoroughly in the library. Elf enslavement goes back centuries. I can't believe no one's done anything about it before now hermione open your ears said ron loudly they like it they like being enslaved our short-term aims said hermione speaking even more loudly than ron and acting as though she hadn't heard a word are to secure house elves where uh nope <laughs> are to secure house elves fair wages and working conditions Our long-term aims include changing the law about non-wand use and trying to get an elf into the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures, because they're shockingly underrepresented. And how do we do all of this? Harry asked. We start by recruiting members, said Hermione happily. I thought two sickles to join? That buys you a badge, and the the proceeds can fund our leaflet campaign. You're treasurer, Ron. I've got you a collecting tin upstairs, and Harry, your secretary. So you might want to write down everything I'm saying now as a record of our first meeting. There was a pause in which Hermione beamed at the pair of them, and Harry sat torn between exasperation at Hermione and amusement at the look on Ron's face. The silence was broken. Not by Ron, who in any case looked as though he was temporarily dumbstruck, but by a soft tap-tap on the window. Harry looked across the now empty common room and saw, illuminated by moonlight, a snowy owl perched on the window sill. "'Hedwig!' he shouted, and he launched himself out of his chair and across the room to pull open the window. Hedwig flew inside, soared across the room and landed on the table, On top of harry's predictions about time said harry hurrying after her she's got an answer said ron excitedly pointing at the grubby piece of parchment tied to hedwig's leg harry hastily untied it and sat down to read whereupon hedwig fluttered onto his knee hooting softly what does it say hermione asked breathlessly the letter was very short and looked as though it had been scrawled in a great hurry Harry read it out loud. Harry, I'm flying north immediately. This news about your scar is the latest in a series of strange rumors that have reached me here. If it hurts again, go straight to Dumbledore. They're saying he's got Mad-Eye out of retirement, which means he's reading the signs, even if no one else is. I'll be in touch soon. My best to Ron and Hermione. Keep your eyes open, Harry. Serious. Harry looked up at Ron and Hermione, who stared back at him. "'He's flying north?' Hermione whispered. "'He's coming back!' "'Dumbledore's reading what signs?' said Ron, looking perplexed. "'Harry, what's up?' For Harry had just hit himself in the forehead with his fist jolting Hedwig out of his lap. "'I shouldn't have told him!' Harry said furiously. "'What do you want about?' said Ron in surprise. I've made him think he's got to come back, said Harry, now slamming his fist on the table so Hedwig landed on the back of Ron's chair, hooting indignantly. Coming back because he thinks I'm in trouble and there's nothing wrong with me and I haven't got anything for you, Harry snapped at Hedwig, who was clicking her beak uh, clicking her beak expectantly. You'll have to go up to the Owlery if you want food. Hedwig "'gave him an extremely offended look "'and took off for the open window, "'cuffing him around the head "'with her outstretched wing as she went. "'Harry,' Hermione began in a pacifying sort of voice, "'I'm going to bed,' said Harry shortly. "'See you in the morning.' "'Upstairs in the dormitory he pulled on his pajamas "'and got into to his 4 poster, "'but he didn't feel remotely tired. "'If Sirius came back and got caught,' It would be his, Harry's fault. Why hadn't he kept his mouth shut? A few seconds' pain, and he'd be, and he'd had to blab if he had just had the sense to keep it to himself. He heard Ron come into the dormitory a short while later, but he did not speak to him. For a long time, Harry lay staring up at the dark canopy of his bed. The dormitory was completely silent, and he had been less. And and had he had been less preoccupied, Harry would have no uh, blah blah. Let's try that that whole sentence again. <laughs> the dormitory dormitory was completely silent. And had he been less preoccupied, Harry would have realized that the absence of Neville's usual snores meant that he was not the only one lying awake why that last sentence was so hard to get out of my mouth. That's the end of the chapter. These chapters are getting longer and longer. It takes like almost an hour to finish the chapter. Alright, did you finish your bath? Dry your little body off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to record the next chapter now because I'm awake still. So um, I'll publish this one and then You'll be able to listen to it, and I might do the second one as well, so you'll have both. Alright, love ya. Bye!